Good morning. Uh, thank you once again for joining us today. Um, as you can tell from the background, I am not um, in Naperville. I'm not at the church. Uh, I'm actually in uh, Seattle. Um, and so I'm preaching remotely uh, today. But also you're probably noticing that uh, we are all recording from different places again. Um, and Kayla has uh, probably already mentioned this, um, but we just kind of took some extra precautions this week uh, because a couple of the folks who are very integral to um, creating our worship experience uh, were exposed to a person who tested positive for COVID. Um, and so once again, uh, we find ourselves in a predicament where we are just taking all the precautions that we need to to ensure um, everybody's safety, uh, which meant not recording at the church this week. Um, and it just happened to kind of coincide with travel. So, yes, this is uh, the background of my uh, hotel room um, for which I'll be in for the next couple of days. So, yeah, just uh, one of those many ways that technology um, is helpful. Uh, because as this sermon is airing, I'll be uh, preaching at uh, Covenant Church this Sunday as well. So um, I'm like in two places at once. Anyway, um, let's pray. Gracious and holy God, we say thank you for being with us today. Uh, we love you. We adore you. And we ask you continue to just guide us on this journey of a lifetime uh, as we prepare our hearts and our minds to move forward um, in the dynamic call that you have given us. Uh, we lift these things up to you in this time to you. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Um, so as we uh, continue um, or re really wrap up on the series that I've been calling the journey of a lifetime. I think that if, if there is anything or the many things that we've talked about over the past couple of weeks that I want you to take away um, from this time um, is this, this reminder or encouragement um, that this call that we have been given um, by God, the call to be uh, the kingdom of God here on earth, the call to be disciples and make disciples, the call to love mercy and do justice and walk humbly, um, the call to love each other and bear each other's burdens, um, the things of that nature. Um, all of those different things that we are called to do um, is a lifetime journey, um, that there is no point uh, that we can claim to have achieved, um, to, to have gotten there, that there is no point where we arrive, that we simply are called to work um, and do the work of the kingdom um, until Jesus Christ returns. And to some degree, you know, I think sometimes we, um, we don't always give ourselves the grace that we we should and not as an excuse to to not work or not to try. Uh, but as this reminder that when we mess up, when we fall, um, that God is there, like we talked about last week, um, forgiving us uh, 70 times uh, seven um, in order to allow us to be made perfect in his likeness. Um, and I think that as we extend grace um, and mercy to each other, it's this constant reminder of, of the, the, the true way that transformation has happened in our lives as God is continuously, continuously showing grace and mercy to us. 
And as I look at this text today, um, it, it, it continues to make me think about this theme um, of the kingdom or what happens next. Um, when you look at chapter uh, Matthew chapter 18, uh, what you see is once again that the um, disciples are still very heavily influenced by worldly thought processes and worldly concerns um, about status, um, who has status, what status looks like. Um, you can see to some degree they have accepted um, the kind of lifestyle that they have been living as they've served Jesus. Um, oftentimes, as Jesus said, the son of man has no place to uh, lay his head. And so uh, we know that there were, wasn't um, great hotel accommodations that, you know, they weren't staying in mansions oftentimes, you know, um, and so they have accepted these kind of lowly circumstances. But you see on a couple different occasions uh, where the disciples uh, were very um, interested in knowing about what was going to happen next. You see uh, in chapter 18, verse one, it says, at the time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is the greatest um, in the kingdom of heaven? They they want to know what status looks like in the kingdom. Uh, they they want to know what uh, what God ultimately finds important. And 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 I, and I believe uh, that there is this sense or this hope or this inner desire uh, that because of um, their their prominence in their relationship with Jesus, um, that that they somehow would have this status trans. Uh, transferred to heaven um, that if we were hanging out and sleeping with Jesus um, in these lowly places on earth uh, that when he returns to his heavenly kingdom that we'll have a place um, in the palace but Jesus um, in a very you know uh, fashion that's similar to how he communicates uh, very directly comes back and he says this in verse 2 he says uh, he called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Because unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh, the first thing that I want to point out is this, um, is that our access to heaven is connected to our approach in this life. Uh, verse two and three point out uh, very specifically that even though they had been spending time with Jesus and working alongside of him, that there was still things that needed to change about their hearts and their minds because he recognized that that there was something about them. Um, there was something about his time with them that had yet to take hold. And so not only were they not um, in position to uh, have great position and place in heaven, but what he was also saying is that they might not even enter it unless they change, that there was a change that needed to happen in their hearts um, and in their minds and subsequently the way that they lived um, in order for them to gain the access that uh, they wanted. And so he says, truly, I say to you, unless you change, to become like little children, you will never enter uh, the kingdom. 
And so our, 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 our access then is connected to how we approach uh, life. My mom would often say this when I was a kid. She would often say that sometimes uh, people can be so heavenly bound, they are no earthly good. Brothers and sisters, I think that we can find ourselves in positions um, in time where we are so concerned about uh, the what's next um, the, and, and what's next, what's coming beyond this life, uh, that we are not concerned about how we are engaged in the call that God has called us to. You know, I've often heard uh, uh, believers use waiting on Jesus Christ's return as an excuse to not galvanize today. That, that somehow uh, knowing that things won't be perfect, somehow knowing that there will always be work to do, somehow knowing that we are sinful when we fall short, somehow knowing that we aren't perfect and that we won't always get it right has subsequently become an excuse to be inactive and not pursue kingdom uh, principles and goals and lifestyle here on earth today. Those more brothers and sisters would be the person that are so earthly bound because you see that at least to some degree, their heart and their minds are set on Jesus. But when your heart and your mind is set on Jesus, uh, when your heart is content to be with Jesus, but it doesn't call you to act, if it doesn't cause you to act or live a certain way, then the transformation has not completely uh, taken hold of your heart and who you are. Uh, brothers and sisters, we are called to act. We are we are called to move and we are called to look to uh, the coming kingdom, but we're also called to live in the kingdom today. And if our approach to faith and our approach to life lacks the uh, uh, the the both and then we are coming up short. And so he 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 simply said to the disciples, then truly, unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And it, and it reminds me then, brothers and sisters, of uh, uh, the verse in Philippians, because I think one of the things that he was trying to get them to understand, it says this in Philippians chapter two, it says, rather uh, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you uh, to the interest of others and your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ. Here is the thing that I think he was trying to get them to understand first and foremost is that they're asking, they're inquiring about the coming kingdom and who would have power and who would be the greatest was a key indication that they had not become completely Christ-like because Christ's approach to his ministry was all about making sure that people were connected or reconnected to God, whereas the disciples seemed to be more concerned about their place as opposed to uh, making sure that those who had not come in contact with Jesus yet or those who had not conformed to Jesus, uh, those who did not believe in him uh, were getting their minds and their lives together. What he recognized in them uh, was a selfishness and a self-centeredness that needed to change because he wanted them to look more like him who uh, who uh, who submitted himself uh, to the, the indignity of the cross uh, so that we could be connected to God as opposed to being concerned about how soon he was getting back to the right hand of the father. And so... The, a part of this childlikeness uh, that he was he was trying to connect them to was this uh, reminder uh, that that they that he needed them to be concerned about the other. 
he needed them to be concerned about someone or something other than themselves. There's a, there's a humility that comes with thinking about somebody else's betterment before my own, because there are times that we will be called to do things for the sake of other folks that isn't necessarily best for us. Amen. And so the next thing you see is this. It says, therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. The second thought is simply this, that being childlike is about position, not characteristics. Uh, oftentimes you may have heard this text preached and you, and you hear people wax poetically about these childlike um, characteristics. They talk about how trusting children are and how honest children can be and how um, easily children um, submit um, to the father. But brothers and sisters, those of you who have children know that that's not always the case. Uh, children aren't always honest. Uh, and in, in all actuality, uh, we probably have to work harder to get our children to be honest and tell the truth because by nature, uh, they lie because they fear being in trouble. Children aren't always the most trusting, uh, because the world teaches them to be skeptics. And there's a thing called Google, uh, that oftentimes I have to, uh, go to with my daughter to prove my point because she more readily believes Google than she does me. So children aren't inherently trusting. They aren't inherently honest. They aren't inherently good. But the one thing uh, that, that children are inherently, particularly in this Jew and Jewish cultures, um, was lowly. Children had no position. Children had no power. Children had no place. Children were at the, at the, um, at the behest of the adults and the power systems around them. And so this text is not is not attributing some some godlike quality to the characteristics of children. What it is attributing to or what it is calling us to is to be like children in position in a society where children weren't valued, in a society where children didn't have a place, in a society where children have a voice or have the ability to pursue their own desires and own goals. Um, Jesus is calling us to be like those children for the sake of the kingdom. In other words, he is calling us like he did to make ourselves nothing. To, to give up our power, to give up our privilege and service to kingdom and kingdom values. Um, it, it is giving up the ability that we have to manipulate, to construe, uh, to, to, to affix things to fit our narratives, to, to change things to benefit ourselves. It is, is the opportunity that we have to constantly ask myself, is even though this is good for me or even though this is what I want, is this what's best for the kingdom? And then constantly putting myself in a position where I am not, excuse me, in pursuit of what makes my life easier or makes my life better or gets us to do the things that we want. I am submitting myself then to a trust and belief that while I am looking out for somebody else's best needs, that somebody else putting themselves in a childlike manner is meeting mine. 
So there is this there there is this call um to community um and childlike submission um and childlike humility um and a childlike approach that says let me diminish myself to help other people be great. Let me diminish myself to let other people achieve. Let me uh diminish uh, who I am and who I could be. Let me make sure um, that I'm not necessarily trying to be great because if I sacrifice certain things, then other people can be great. And if other people can be great, then it's making the kingdom great. What he, what Jesus was trying to say is that there's not, uh, the children aren't necessarily perfect. They aren't um, inherently more like God than we are as adults. But what he is trying to say is that children don't always have the ability to pursue self-centered um, goals like we as adults do. And so that we, as being called to be childlike, we must constantly uh, be letting go of the access and the power and the ability that we have attained in adulthood to remain humble, to make sure that other people's needs are met before our own. This also sometimes means that we, that we are called to act and serve when we don't agree, that we are called to act and serve when it doesn't benefit me. And, and, and what does the kingdom look like and what will the church look like if I approach my life and ministry and my place in the community more in a spirit of servitude than the spirit of consumer? Because when it's about me. Then I'm then I'm more concerned about, you know, what the preacher is preaching about and if this if I like the sermons or not. Uh, if, if he's preaching about things that I want to hear uh, as opposed to preaching about um, things that, that, I, that I don't necessarily agree with this, 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 when we, we are not being childlike in our approach, it, it makes us overly concerned with how often we hear the songs that we want to hear and the music that we want to hear, as opposed to considering whether or not those who are in community with us are able to connect in worship. It, it, it concerns ourselves with how money is being spent and whether or not uh, uh, the budget is it, it looks like. Uh, the way that I want it to look because the, 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 the money is being focused or centered around the things that I care about most. This isn't an excuse for, for, for leadership to be frivolous, but what it is saying is that there may be times and may be seasons where the direction that we are headed or the things that we are focusing on don't necessarily, uh, uh, meet me all the time, 100% of the time, but trusting and believing, uh, that it is meeting the need of somebody who, uh, somebody who needs to hear the message through the word, through song, through, through, through monetary gifts and monetary supports. Uh, but it's also a reminder, but there was a time that somebody else was sacrificing what they wanted and what they needed so that I could get what I needed. It, it, it reminds me um, of, of a time when I was a kid at my dad's church, Hope Presbyterian, um, on the south side where we had this youth choir. And the director would have us singing some of the uh, the most hip, uh, you know, gospel songs of that time in the um, in the 90s. And this was when Kirk Franklin was really just getting steam. And so he he had uh, uh, this type of energetic gospel music that some of the older saints felt like he was taking it too far. But what I always appreciated uh, was that that youth choir that we had gave me and so many of my friends an outlet. 
I knew that the seniors often in the church didn't necessarily enjoy the music that we were singing, but they supported. They stood up and clapped. They learned the songs. They joined us in the heavenly chorus. And it did two things for me. One, it gave me an appreciation for music that I didn't like because the same uh, humility that it took for them to listen to some of the loud banging, um, hopping around pseudo hip hop gospel music that we were singing. Um, the same humility that it took for them to, 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 to listen to that, even though it wasn't their favorite, it also developed me the ability to listen to, uh, uh, some of the hymns that I made fun of when I was a kid, uh, that, that, that became some of the, the, um, the most treasured parts of my childhood. And, 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 and so it calls us to this, this, this commonality and this servitude that we wouldn't normally have. I am making myself lower so that somebody else can have. And lastly, it says this and it says, whoever welcomes one such, uh, one such child in my name welcomes me. The last point is this accepting the childlike is accepting Jesus. Accepting the childlike is accepting Jesus. If we go back to Philippians chapter two, it says this, it says in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ, who being in very nature, God did not consider equality with God, someone to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man being humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even to the cross. Brothers and sisters, when we uh, when we accept um, the call to be childlikeness, uh, be childlike, when we accept um, the, the, the call to humble and submit ourselves, we are accepting uh, Jesus because this was Jesus's approach to ministry, even though he was God himself. Uh, he humbled himself and wrapped himself in humanity and human flesh um, in order to walk with us, to eat with us, to talk with us, to give us an earthly example of what we were called to be. And we, when, when, we, when we reject the call to be childlike and humble ourselves in the same way, we are ultimately, ultimately rejecting Jesus Christ himself. Because Jesus had power. Jesus could have done anything that he wanted. There was a, a old hymn that, that went something like this. He, he could have come down from the cross to save himself, but he decided to die just to save me. Jesus chose humility. Jesus chose servanthood. Jesus chose to make himself nothing. And he is calling us to make ourselves nothing. He is calling us to make ourselves humble. He is calling us to a lifetime of servanthood in order uh, for those who have not been transformed by him yet to have the opportunity to meet him in ways that can and will change them, their lives. And so when we think about the things that we are called to, when we are called to love, when we are called to be people of mercy, we are also called to be people of humility, knowing that there is a power that we can have, that there is a power that we can take, that there is control that we can have 
even in our communities of faith that we willingly give up because we know that it's more quite Christ-like to serve, that it's more Christ-like to be humble, it is more Christ-like to submit to the needs of those around us than it is to pursue our own desires. What he was he was trying to get the disciples to understand in the same way that I think he is calling us to is that instead of us thinking about what it looks like to be great in the kingdom, what it looks like to have power, posture and position, he is calling us instead to humble ourselves, to submit ourselves for the sake of the kingdom. And it's in the submission, just like uh, he was given the name above all other names so that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is calling us to submit ourselves to the life of believer, of servanthood, of nothingness. So that his name can be great and so that his children, the lost sheep, those who have not yet heard the truth and transformational power of the gospel can hear it in such a way that it transformed their lives and introduces them to life altering relationship with Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, we are called to childlike humility. We are called to uh, be humble we are called to make ourselves nothing and in making ourselves nothing the kingdom will advance can you be childlike let's pray heavenly father we just say thank you uh, thank you for being with us. Thank you for guiding us. And thank you for your word that continuously calls us and sharpens us to be better and do better for the sake of your kingdom. Lord, give us the power that we need uh, to be the people you've called us to be. Give us the humility that we need to be the people that you have called us to be so that we can be the church that you have called us to be uh, that lifts your name high above the earth that all men and women and children will be drawn unto you. In your name that we pray. Amen. As we close uh, with this song, I just want to invite you. Um, we're going to be singing that we surrender all to Jesus. And um, as we sing this song, I would invite you to maybe um, put your hands out like this, as if you're offering yourself to God, um, taking a posture, a physical posture of humility before him. Maybe if you're comfortable um, bowing down on your knees. Um, in your own home, I know uh, it might be comfortable, it might be not so comfortable. So I just invite you to um, do whatever you need to do in order to um, put yourself in that posture of humility before the Lord as we sing this song together.
receiving out this benediction as we read again Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 where it says in your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God to be some to be used to his own advantage rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as man he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on the cross brothers and sisters as we prepare to go be reminded in our call that we are called like Christ to humble ourselves to humble ourselves like children for the sake of the kingdom and so now may the grace of God and the sweet communion of his Holy Spirit rest, rule, and abide between each of us until we all shall meet again. Amen.